0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: If I ventured... This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickGrenkitt.com. All the stats, tools, and info that I will be discussing on this podcast can be found over at RickGrenkitt.com. Open Championship is coming up in just 10 days from now, and we will have a ton of great content coming up on the site, including an incredibly in-depth course preview of Royal Liverpool, Uh, I've actually got a lot of interesting thoughts on that golf course. Very different golf course, in my opinion, than uh, the open venue that we at least saw last year and not really anything like we're going to talk about this week as it pertains to the Renaissance Club, in my opinion. So for absolutely everything that you could need on the Open Championship and Royal Liverpool, make sure you sign up today at RickRungut.com. You can get the weekly pass for $7, which... If you did that today, would include all of my Scottish Open work as well as my full breakdown of Royal Liverpool. It's uh, really an incredible deal, and it shouldn't be this cheap for all the info that you get with it. Not all, not just my premium work, but the largest. It's the largest statistical golf betting and fantasy focused full database on the internet. Uh, curious about DP World Tour stats? You can look those up. Want to build a model? Want the best? Ownership projections for DraftKings, lineup generator, all of that uh, is all included as well. So head on over to rickrengood.com promo code Andy. That is the important part if you want to help me out, and we would love to have you as part of the team. All right, coming up on this podcast, bringing back my good friend John Hasselbauer. You may know him as PGA Tout on Twitter to break down the entire odds board for the genesis scottish open really good discussion on this one a little british open talk at the end as well and a whole bunch of other stuff so without further ado let's bring on john all right john hasselbauer's here you may know him as pga tout on twitter i got a bone to pick man what's this you and brian playing golf without me? what happened to my invite on that one? i'm sitting there i've been in new york for like two days you guys know i'm making the trip to New York and you guys are out there, you know, Brian's firing in the low nineties without me at Beth page. So how did that, how did that play out? Did you guys play a little match at all?
2: Okay. Yeah. A couple things. You you are um, in the proximity to Long Island currently in the same way that Cam Young home game territory is. We were using that very generously. Um, I I knew that your your trip your your New York swing was coming, but I didn't know that it had begun yet. Um, so welcome back to the the proper coast. But what what we actually did was my fiance was on her bachelor at party this past weekend, so I had the whole weekend open. And I knew I wanted to golf, and I reached out to Brian and said, Are you free to golf this weekend? And he said, I'll play Beth Page on Sunday if you show up at 6 a.m. and do the wait outside and get whatever first thing available is. Um, so I did that. And in classic Brian fashion, we get up there, and there is, you can get on the red at 9 45 mm-hmm. or the black at 9 50. And without hesitation, Brian's like, We're playing red. <laughs> no deliberation, no conversation, no he's consulting given me, about it.
1: He's given me shit. I think Red's spectacular, by the way. Very good. Uh, Very but good. he's given me shit before for wanting to play Red because Beth Page Black is it's fun once a year, and I love it. I think it's a wonderful golf course, but it's a real that's a real day and a real yes. endeavor. And red is really playable and still a great golf course, and you can go out and shoot a score there. So Brian's given me shit before. <laughs> For wanting to play red, but I, I presume that you made the trip wanting to play black, wanting to play black.
2: Not necessarily. I, I thought there would have been a little deliberation, a little conversation of, uh, okay, let's look at the board. We we've seen what's in front of us. Do we want to play red, black, blue? What, what do we want to do? And Brian, very, very full conviction was, oh, we're playing red. I I agree, though, that when you play black, it's kind of, it's a job. It's not really like an enjoyable stroll. You're getting your ass kicked out there, but it's an experience. And I didn't really, the weather was like really suspect that day. So I was expecting that there was going to be more opportunity to play black than usual. But I wanted to feel good about my game afterwards. So I was not disappointed to miss out on black. I birdied one at red. It was all downhill after that, but proud of the bird.
1: One's a hard hole too. That's the yeah, it's
2: like 450 uphill.
1: 450, 450 uphill. Okay, let's backtrack for a second. Where's the where's the bachelor party at?
2: She's back now. Uh was in Miami. Classic. Yeah, soon host of the live finale where all the parties are.
1: (laughs) The wedding I'm going to in in Chicago in a couple weeks, her bachelor party is in Miami. I feel like it's congregated around Miami, Vegas. Maybe you'll get an Austin in there if you're feeling frisky, but a lot of Miami, a lot of Vegas, and then you're
2: doing Montreal, right? Yes. Vegas of the North. (laughs) So I've heard. I've never been. (laughs) But easy trip. Like where I am,
1: you know where I am right now. I'm in Lake Placid, New York, which is upstate about five hours from New York City. That, I mean, because you went to college at Syracuse. Which is still, I mean, I probably, I think I can get to Montreal from where I am in like two hours, you're probably flying anyway, but Montreal from where you are is is actually pretty convenient despite it being in a in a different country.
2: Yes, that it, you just need a passport. And if you have that, it's a very easy trip to do. It's like an hour, a little over an hour flight from New York. Um, I've never been, pretty much nobody in my group has been. And a lot of people are leaving the country for the first time. So we've got that little mm-hmm. exotic appeal to it hit Nick Taylor at the Canadian Open so I feel like I'm an ally of Canada now. We both they'll, did. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, got I think back they'll from welcome the me with open arms. The country of Canada. I was in Canada
1: on Canada Day. Ooh, and let me tell right. you, that's right. A, a nation with with underrated pride. I mean, really really <laughs> wonderful fireworks display. Uh the great city of I was in Western Canada, you're going to Eastern Canada. The great city of Victoria was on fire. Mm-hmm. I mean that you know in a good way, hypothetically, it was it was very exciting to be there on Canada Day. And I was just overwhelmed by people are just so much... Gen- I feel like the average standard of quality of how people treat you, how they treat foreigners, just really high. Everyone was at the golf clubs I went to, really, really kind, really, really welcoming. So I can imagine you're probably in for, for a fun trip on in Eastern Canada as well.
2: Yeah, we'll see, you know, similar to the black, I'll I'll get my ass kicked up there and we'll, we'll, we'll be feeling pretty banged up by the end of it, but it's, it's close to home relatively speaking. So the good thing is I've had so many like post bachelor party, red-eye five hour flights from like Scottsdale and California. And this is like, we are probably going straight from the nightclubs to the airport. Like we're going to be out till 5am, get a a 7am flight, come home nap recover. So I'm looking forward to it. It's, a, it's exactly a month away now. So
1: what's the tournament? Did you schedule it based on having to write a preview for a pretty shitty tournament? What is it? In a month? It's probably the Wynnum? I, okay. I think it's event. the St. Jude.
3: Okay. Playoff event.
1: Only 70 guys in the field this year, though. That may make it a little bit easier. We know the golf course.
2: Yeah. I mean, forewarning—that one's coming out on Monday. That tournament preview—that will, <laughs> will not be up on time. You know the course, TVC Southwind. Everybody, everybody knows what to expect. And Sepp Straka will probably be in the top seventy, so he'll just pick him because Zelatoris isn't going to be in the field. So, right, Sepp Straka spotlight—are we calling it now? I don't know. Maybe right. redemption. There you go.
1: I, I honestly like, and I guess I'll use this to transition us into the Genesis Scottis Open. Um, I read your article every week. I had a s- six hour drive today and just finished dinner. I spotlight's a shock surprise to me this week. I'm going in completely blind. No notes, have no idea. This could go in any direction. You could spring Scotty Scheffler on me.
2: You oh, you don't sp- know who the spotlight
1: is. I do not. I do okay. not.
2: I thought at first I was like, you read it and you're like, I can't believe that was your spotlight. Because as it turns out, we talked about like who's who's the chatter, who's the chalk. I think for the second week in a ago, I spot second week in a row, I think I spotlighted the chalk consensus popular guy.
1: And I would imagine the Venn diagram of people that read your article and listen to this podcast is, is fairly robust, but for those that don't know, he writes a wonderful Monday article, spotlights a player every single week. A single guy, you know, have we lost? People are asking the question, John. I mean, because Spotlight started as an undervalued guy, but you're throwing out Scotty Schauffler some weeks. Like, Have we lost the ethos of Spotlight?
2: Yeah, ethos of Spotlight was originally a odds projection. This guy is going to be a good value for you to bet. I can't know for sure if he's going to be a good leverage play because I won't know the pricing and how many other people are on it. But somebody who has a case to be a good bet. And that became harder and harder to do week over week. So what it has become is I will bet this guy no matter what his number is, but I feel Mm -hmm. good about it because I perceive there to be some value. And sometimes I'm wrong. Um, In in the case of like Scotty Scheffler, I spotlighted him at the memorial and I was like, oh, well, Rom will be the favorite no matter what. And then it'll be Scheffler. So if he's like eight to one, I'll just bet Scheffler and that. And I believed that. And he was still like a six to one favorite that week. So can't always get it exactly right. But the intent of Spotlight is you can bet that after I've written all this nice stuff up on him, he will be on my betting card. And I would endorse him as a bet for you to do too. I've
1: had weeks like that with Scotty too, where I felt like there was a chance that there would just be, you know, how we get betting fatigue on some guys. I almost felt like, with Scotty being plus six hundred now every week, there would almost be odds maker fatigue with Scotty at some point. Where just to switch things up and keep people on their toes, they just make Rom the favorite at Memorial, or you know. And and I looked at the open odds. I, I really dug into the open odds for the first time a couple of days ago, and I was actually fairly surprised. I know he won in two thousand fourteen to see Rory ahead of Scheffler. As the favorite for the open, that I'm shocked by that. Me. Honestly, not he's not at Renaissance. I think Renaissance is still Scheffler's like plus 650, Rory's plus 750. But Rory is the favorite at you know two weeks time open championship, and Scheffler's right behind him. Kind of a good number on Scheffler at the open, honestly, at like <laughs> nine to one. Like it's not bad,
2: it's, it's honestly pretty interesting. I bet him last year at 14 to one at the open. And I was uh, I was really going back and forth between him and Cam Smith all weekend. I made the wrong decision, but I feel like the Open last year was the beginning of of Scotty. Like I'm really the team no putt guy because mm-hmm. he made nothing at the Open and he finished twentieth.
1: And he's starting to putt a little bit better, but yeah, he is. He's starting to putt a little bit better, and the ball striking hasn't gone away whatsoever so we'll do a little we'll we'll touch on open just just a bit at the end because i've started to dive into it just a little bit and i sure i'm sure you have some thoughts as well but i want to start with i want to start with the scottish which as we mentioned is is an excellent field this is the only co-sanctioned event uh between the dp world tour and the pga tour i have to feel like the dp world tour is just really getting the short End of the stick of the strategic partnership. But that's that's probably another podcast. But my question for you is how do you handicap a course that is so dependent on weather? Right. Like we've gone from a tournament where three guys shot under in 2019 to the following year, Aaron Rye wins at 11 under. Then you get three guys shoot 18 under in 2021. And then last year, there's a massive wave advantage if i remember correctly every day plays kind of different in terms of condition and xander gets it done at 7 under right so how do you how do you navigate breaking down a tournament that is this variable in terms of how the conditions affect play
2: yeah it's it's not easy to, it's not my favorite week like this week and next week are really difficult to yeah. like model out and use data to feel confident in your bets. It's definitely like a feel eyeball the leaderboards of the last few years. Look at the types of players that are coming up. Is there a drastic difference when the wind is up versus when the wind is down? And just kind of like starting with like the profile of players who play well in coastal, windy, difficult conditions, because there's a lot of like Bermuda championship and pebble where it's like these aren't like tests, but they're windy. Um, And unfortunately, like for the PGA Tour, wherever we see like significantly like wind impacted events, they tend to be these like fall swing resort course, uh, just not applicable at all to what's happening this week. So it makes it harder for someone like me who pretty much exclusively follows the PGA Tour and is not as like up to speed on which courses on the DP World Tour are the comps. I mean, I know like the Alfred Dunhill links is, is a course that is an event that I'm referencing because I know that's a rotation of links courses, the open, obviously um, that's going to translate well here and then using the Scottish. So from a, a European tour standpoint or from a European uh, track standpoint, those three events, the Scottish, the open and the Alfred Dunhill are where I'm kind of starting and seeing if if there's anybody who plays well, both there and recently, and if there's any other like super wind affected difficult courses, maybe even like a Bay Hill where that really came into play, I know two years ago for sure. Um, Just kind of picking individual comp courses that is, it's not really going to work well in a model, but if you're subjectively anecdotally looking like, yeah, that guy's good in the wind when it's difficult, that, that can be helpful. But from a DFS perspective, definitely you got to wait until Wednesday, see what the weather's actually going to be. And you should have a better sense of like, if it's completely down, it's going to be easier scoring conditions, not like last year, and you can kind of pull the wind detail out of it. But if um, the weather's looking a little nasty and right now it looks like there's rain and pretty like persistent wind, then you can expect it to kind of fall in the more difficult conditions and similar to like open majors before the last two years.
1: So have you made any bets yet? Are you waiting for more accurate wind? I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the North Berwick wind finder and there are a couple of different places that I use, but I usually start here. And then if I see something funky going on, I'll reference some other sites as well. So don't take this as gospel, but I'm seeing the rain. I'm seeing, you know, 15 to 20 gusts on Thursday, actually pretty calm on Friday, and then you know here and there on Saturday and Sunday can get up to 15-20. I have a memory of I could be wrong. I have a memory of last year it blowing like 25-30 gusts. So I wouldn't be you know I'll, I'll dive into this a lot deeper in the Thursday article. Um and Trying to predict the weather, even three days out in Scotland, if I learned anything from being in Ireland last year, total fool's errand. Um, so we may I may end up looking really silly on Wednesday on Thursday morning for saying this. I wouldn't be shocked if this was a, a decent bit easier than last year, but I could be wrong.
2: Yeah. I think it's too early to call, but the thing with Scotland is or links courses in this part of the country. And this will definitely be the case more next week because there's a little bit of protection, a couple trees getting in the way at Renaissance. But like next week in Hoy Lake, it's completely flat and the coast is right there and you're getting hit by the elements. So even a breeze feels like a lot more impact on the ball than like heavy winds in a tree protected um, Course, but this week here in Scotland, there's going to be weather. I don't think it's going to be a pure birdie fest. One other thing that I came across, had a lot DMs were flooded on this on this point, so I had to I had to correct <laughs> the state of the union today. Um, through 2021, the Renaissance Club was a par 71. Last year and going forward into this year, they converted one of the fives to a long four. Um, So as you know, a par social yep. construct. Ready. They just, they literally didn't change the hole. They just said, now it's going to be a four instead of a five. So that's four strokes off the bat that were just removed. So, you know, when somebody's winning this event at 18 under, when it's a par 71, really now par 14. 70, it's yeah. really 14 without doing anything to the core. So it is a combination of like, yes, the weather conditions change, but they also literally change the scorecard to make it look like the score is a little bit harder because it's just one last stroke under par.
1: And then, in terms of like skill set at this golf course, is there anything specific? Is there any specific type of player profile that you think would typically rise to the top here? I mean, there are some definite trends that you can, even under the easier and the harder years, there's some definite guys that have done a lot of the same work at other courses as well, popping up on this leaderboard that tend to play well at the same spots. Is there any specific type of profile that you think is better suited for this course? Probably assuming that we're going to see, like you said, maybe something in between the Xander year and, you know, the other years.
2: Yeah, I I think like slow greens and large greens. So three putt avoidance and putting on slow greens, I think that's always going to travel to any links course you play. That's a pretty important skill set that will be very important for the next two weeks, regardless of what the weather is. So that's important. I think there's a distance advantage here. It it doesn't seem like the course where that that would be the case, Where it's like 7,200 yards, but it's a lot of bombers coming to the top. If you look at the scorecard, it's a lot. I think it's like six par fours over 450. Yeah. Is it seven? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's that one.
1: Yeah. With the one that's now a par four. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then you gotta be long to score on the par fives and you know, there's five par threes, which are long irons too. So, uh, definitely a long iron course. And it's not this like tremendously penal, like pot bunker in the fairway, have to laterally punch out type of course. Like, I think you can just pull that driver know where you definitely can't miss, but it's not like, you could get a bad bounce on a really firm fairway and all of a sudden you're in trouble. Like you would, you would typically get at the open.
1: I agree. I, I see a bit of a distance advantage as well. And I didn't see a massive penalty for missing. I mean, guys were missing guys are basically hitting 50% of their fairways last year. And it had like the second lowest penalty missed fairway penalty on the entire PGA tour. So there is you know, fescue on this course, like any length scores, but there's some, there's a ton of room off the tee and guys aren't getting guys aren't really getting penalized for missing the fairway a ton here. And especially if we do get more wind, even the most accurate drivers are going to miss the fairway. To, not that the fairways are that narrow. They're not like Oak Hill or winged foot narrow, but because of the wind, you're going to get the same thing that does tend to happen at Oak Hill and winged foot where even the most accurate guys lose their advantage, I found no correlation between true driving accuracy uh, and success at this course. I think eight of the top 15 guys on the leaderboard actually lost to the field in driving accuracy, but you had a ton of bombers at the top as well. So I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And you know, honestly, I think the biggest frustration that I'm having, because it's a great field, the biggest frustration that I'm having right now is like, Man, they're just really not giving us a break on these odds these days. I mean, I mean, truly, i i'm I was really shocked, and I haven't deeped because I was traveling today, so I haven't spent a ton of time searching for the best numbers. But, man, I'm still seeing at a lot of books, like eleven guys under twenty to one with two guys. At plus 650 and plus 750, how are they getting away with
2: this? (laughs) Well, you know, this co-sanctioned situation, the qualification is the top 75. I think it's OWGR is how they're doing it from the PGA and from DP World Tour members. So there's 75 full-time DP World members making up half the field here. So the depth is not there. I, I think right. Adrian Morank is probably the the best full time DP, and he's not even like full time full time because he just got ex, uh, an exemption. Him and Minwoo are probably the they're the two best like DP World Tour members in this field, and Morank is hundred to one. So they're and not Min giving Woo, any.
1: Minwoo, you're not getting any discount on Minwoo. I mean, Jesus. no, you're not.
2: <laughs> so I like that's that's just like a a no respect thing for the European guys where when you look at the board and definitely from a DFS perspective, that's where you're going to get your value from because those guys kind of just grow up in these conditions. It's a very different type of turf. It's a different game. There's guys who can play great on links courses and not anywhere else. So you can find those sorts of specialists here at the bottom of the board, fill out your DraftKings lineups that way. Cause they're like everyone in like the 7,200 and below ranges. These like trendy European tour players who definitely can't win, but can give you a top ten here.
1: So of the top guys, I mean, I'll mention them. Scheffler, Rory, Cantlay, Xander, Hovland, Fowler, Hatton, Fleetwood. All those guys are 20 to one or lower at DraftKings. Um, Are you starting with any of them?
2: Um, I started with Hatton. Me too. Me as Uh well. And I think, logically, Hatton is where I think a lot of guys are going to go first because from a strokes game perspective, he's he's a top five guy in this field. He hasn't converted a win this year. He's been circling around it before this really come up. And this year where he's just been in the mix in every big tournament, he was the links guy and he was winning the Alfred Dunhill. He was competing in, in the open, but not necessarily the other majors. So Patton's a links guy. And now he's in, Maybe the best form he's been in before coming into the Scottish, and I got him at 24. I think that's pretty good. I, I think obviously the favorites are favorites for a reason. Maybe this event means a little bit more to him since it's in the UK than like a Scheffler or you know anybody else at the top who wants to use this as a, a tune-up, and is actually more fixated on the Open. There's always a piece of that that you have to think about the week before the Open, but Probably just a myth, but I do think that you know this is a home game ish for Hatton because he's coming back to the UK and he's you know moved away. He's living in the states. He's actually from this area, so he's going to have a lot of like familiar people in the crowd. Probably a little extra motivation. I like the the European guys playing in the Scottish Open in general.
1: Yeah, I said on a podcast two months ago that I would be fairly shocked if Hatton didn't end this season with a win, and he's. Only played better since then. I'm running out of time a little bit, but I'm going to stick with him here as well. 24 on bet 365. I'm going to have to, right? I'm going to have to talk to you about that one. I haven't made the bets yet, but he would be my plan is him and Fleetwood both at 24 on 365. That's the best on both of those guys. And that's what, uh, that's where I'm starting is Hatton and Fleetwood. And they're very similar in a lot of ways and in, in terms of the reasons why you probably like them both are in excellent form both have a ton of great experience on links golf courses and both have a ton of great ex- I mean Hatton is really Fleetwood too but Hatton is Hatton really raises his baseline on slower greens and you know this course last year Was the hardest course inside five feet, one of the hardest courses inside 10 feet. A lot of that is due to the wind. Like I missed, I cannot tell you how many short putts I missed in Ireland. And people underrate how people only talk about how difficult it is to control your ball flight in the wind. It is so hard to putt in windy conditions. It can really throw you off on shorties too. And so I looked pretty closely this week at, guys that had a really solid long-term baseline inside 10 feet Hatton's one of the best that you're going to find in this entire field. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I'm, I'm with Hatton and Fleetwood both hoping to start at 24. I think those are, those are fair numbers to me. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't bet those guys below. I probably wouldn't even, I mean, what's the lowest you'd go on Hatton? Like I I don't, it's tight between these guys. Like you make great case for all these guys. So my buy number on hatton was like 2022 20, um i don't even know if i'd bet him at 18 cuz i think there're ton- there's so many great options here
2: yeah for me i was always going to bet two guys in the 20 to 22 range between hatton fleetwood fitzpatrick and speeth and have a really hard time differentiating between any of them i went with speeth as my other guy okay really a coin flip between I was definitely gonna bet Hatton and then for the other three, it was like I could have made a case for any of them. When we talk about Renaissance, we're talking about artists.
1: <laughs>
2: this is the birthplace of it's fun to be an artist out here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is
2: where Tringale invented artistry. Right. Um, this is the spot. He was first round leader, 61, I believe, in the opening round. Give, cakewalk for him. Give people. Give people the context
1: on that. I get I get killed sometimes for using inside jokes that two people understand on podcasts, and it, it just i it doesn't land.
2: Oh, there's there's a nice feature in the in the preview this week. We've got the clip. You can get, you can watch the full interview. Uh, but yeah, Cam Tringali, first round leader here last year. I had a Gary Woodland first round leader ticket, and and he was runner up. I think he shot eight under, and then Tringali blitzed him in, in the back end, but. Um, yeah, he was interviewed and asked like if he feels comfortable playing lace golf. And he said he's, he feels like there's five different ways you can play every, every, um, shot and that, that really speaks to his game because he's an artist and it's fun to go out and be an artist out there. So I, I needed an artist on the card because Tringali is obviously not here anymore. Uh, and the closest I could come to an artistic comp to Tr- Kim Tringali's game is Jordan Spieth.
1: Right, whereas Cam has has taken his talents to the Centurion Club.
2: I'd exactly. Mean, if he's
1: even, I mean, who even knows if he's? I don't even know if he's on the the roster these days with all the turmoil going on in Smash GC. You have to wonder. I, if th- I he's think been he's a high flyer. Trainwalk. Yeah, he's definitely he's on Phil's team. He's on <laughs> Phil's team, and you have to you have to wonder if Phil's making some calls to the uh, unsettled Matt Wolf on Smash GC and kind of waving Tringali as, as some bait. bait yeah, out. it's you a business. Quickly, no one's untouchable. You know how quickly Phil can turn. <laughs> Phil can turn on an ally. So um, I agree with, I mean, there's what's not to like about Spieth. I kind of have my eye on him for next week. So I'm selfishly hoping that he busts a little bit. I will say this too, because I before we move down, I think we should devote a little bit of time at the top. I was pretty close on, on Cantlay or Xander. I just think that their their betting price is not where it should be for those guys right now. And you can't say that those guys don't win anymore. You know, they Cantlay's won eight times, Xander's won seven times, but they haven't won this season. And they still feel to me like they're getting priced with guys that have won golf tournaments in the last six, seven months, and they haven't. And they're ha- and they've been incredibly consistent and j- done just about everything but winning golf tournaments. But man, their price is low for guys that you know haven't won golf tournaments in 2023. And I just I I'm I'm confused and a bit frustrated that I guess we're starting to see it now more so at majors, their prices are finally starting to drop into the 25 zone. But I'm I just I think Cantlay and Xander are, are, are I, from a statistical standpoint. They checked a shit ton of boxes for me this week, as they always do. No surprise, but I just don't think their price is right right now, and and that's the frustration I'm having with both of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, if they put Victor ahead of both of them, I that would have made sense to me. Me too. Run, like played well at the Open last year. Contended,
1: yeah. I mean, tremendously. Content was in the final group of two majors. What has Cantlay and Xander done in majors this year?
2: Yeah, I mean Xander and you'll won get. the
1: memorial. Hovland wins the memorial and is in the final, or he wasn't in the final group of the Masters. He's in the final group of two of the last four majors and finished seventh at the Masters. And
2: he's still behind
1: Can't and Xander on the odds board.
2: Yeah, and, and links for uh, for Victor is very appealing because he doesn't have to chip, he can just putt from everywhere, right? Um, if it gets crazy windy, like that's I think why he, he did so well at St. Andrews because there was no wind and just point and shoot. And if you miss the green, you're still putting it. If it's crazy windy, like what we saw at Bay Hill, he kind of like pissed down his leg towards the end two years ago. He, he's not going to win a scrambling contest in tough conditions. But if if the wind is like pretty calm, I do like Victor. And I, I feel like with DFS pricing, he's probably going to be a pretty decent pivot because he's just a, a name that's maybe a little bit less stable than Cantlay, Xander, McElroy, Shuffler.
1: If we're talking from a DFS perspective, and then we'll move down, I want to talk about the big twenty to fifty range. But I gotta imagine, like most people are probably playing Sheffler over Rory still, right? I like yeah, they, they must. More than, be. I, I'm obviously Rory's my guy, and I I like Scheffler a lot more than Rory this week personally.
2: Yeah, does Rory usually play this event? I feel like he uh,
1: he's he's got like a thirty fourth and a miscut. If I I did that off the top of my head, yeah, 34th and a (laughs) miscut. I'm impressed at my memory there. But he did gain over six and a half ball striking, uh, and then he miscut in 2021. So the 34th, he hit the ball really well, but uh, did not put very well here, which is crucial um, at this golf course, in my opinion. So, I mean, I think that if you're making an argument against Scotty Scheffler, you're talking about what I just said as it it pertains to happen, which is that putting inside 10 feet could be incredibly crucial here. And if you, again, take it from somebody that is a notoriously bad putter for my handicap, you do not want to take an unconfident putter to that side of the pond if it's windy. I I can just ask the people that I went to Ireland with. It is... (laughs) <laughs> it's not fun. It's not. No, so that's the argument I've, against Scheffler if you're making one.
2: I've never golfed over there, but I did golf a Kiowa a couple months ago. And that's linksy because it's like the yeah. unobstructed fat, like unobstructed greens where the, the wind is gonna hit that putt. So I am actually looking a little bit at the PJ Championship from 21 to see if anybody else did okay in those conditions. Um, fortunately, like everybody who finished top five, there's in live now. So there's right. not too much you can pull from that, but I, I do think that's a pretty good comp for, for this.
1: Let's talk about the mid range, uh, which is kind of beefy. Uh, I'm not going to name all these guys, but anyone in the, you know, 25 to, to 60 ish territory
2: for you that's standing out. Cause I got one or two names that I really like actually here i'll give you one one guess for spotlight because he's in this range Uh and your clues are potentially the most potentially most tipped this week at a number i was hoping would be longer but because he missed the cut at this event last year but form is really good and course history before um last year was very good at the scottish
0: open we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate
3: I Min mean, Wu. You,
1: you gave too much of a clue there. Yeah, with the course history, but I, I mean, wanted I was, you to look
2: good on your show. I didn't want you right, to guess
1: wrong. Right. Thanks for, for thanks for setting <laughs> me up with the layup there. Um, I, yeah, because I mean Min Woo obviously won here two years ago. Um, thirty five to one though. Like, what's the best on Minwoo? Is there fifties?
2: I got a 40 and there was a 45 that a couple of people are on. Everybody who saw the 45, I think took it. When I wrote him up, I thought it would be 60 too, because yeah. the field is so top heavy. And I just thought that a lot of these 20, these like six, 20 to one guys, like some of them would move that to 30 and then that would naturally push him back to 35. Um, but he's got three straight top tens before this week. He was in Europe the the week before this at the British masters finished top 10 there. US open and travelers before that. So obviously a good game for this for this um these conditions plays well in Europe he's finished top 15 in every European start this year i think he's like 6 for 6 finishing top 15 over here tons of distance really just untapped potential young guy could potentially be a new star on the tour and the one thing that really put me over um when i wrote up my LACC preview i talked about Renaissance Club as a good Comp because they're both a lot of long irons, advantage to bombers. Generous a little bit off the tee, fairway wise. Little firm conditions. I was expecting to be a little bit more firm at LACC, but a place where you can like use the ground, be a little creative. The overlap in leaderboards is ridiculous between LACC and historically at um at the Scottish Open. Um, Minwoo was top ten there. Minwoo top Tom five. Kim.
1: Yeah, Minwoo was top five at um, at LACC. Even Wyndham Xander. has been good at Wyndham was
2: top twenty at Renaissance Club too. Yep, Wyndham. So you could have potentially you know seen that angle of it. Uh, Wyndham actually putted horribly, or no, he. I think I, I think- actually really like him this week.
1: I'm not going to bet him because I just stubbornly don't think that. <laughs> Wyndham was like third in my model. And again, this is more of a feel week. So maybe don't live and die by the numbers as much this week, particularly if you're looking at a ton of win stats, which I'm not. But even just projecting PGA Tour data onto the type of golf that you get in Scotland is a bit wonky. But I I really like Wyndham this week as well. Edmund Wu too as well. I, just, I, I don't... I don't particularly think I'm not going to bet either of them, but I could see that with I mean, Doke is, um, Doke loves George Thomas, too, if you want me to give you the nerdy <laughs> architecture angle on it as well. Doke worships George Thomas. Um, big, huge influence from him. Uh, Doke actually restored the George Thomas design Bel- Air. Um, so he has a distinct, acute knowledge of thomas and and you know if you again this is a podcast that i'm not going to bore people with that um those those podcasts that i've tried before do not do as well um so i'm not going (laughs) to dive into the the nuances of thomas's influence on dokes bunkering uh but you're on to something i'll say that
2: yeah i I just double check he he was he might have led the field t degree and had um If he didn't, he was top five at the Scottish last year. He lost all his strokes putting. He's a good putter. That's that should correct itself. And uh, Wyndham, I bet four guys and then one ridiculous bomb from the European tour. So five total. And Wyndham was my fourth guy. He's the same price this week as he was I
1: did that whole Wyndham thing and then you bet him? I did.
2: Yeah. LACC comp.
1: God, you Uh, you may turn me now because I... My biggest argument against Wyndham this week is there's no way he's winning another big event. He's player of the year. If he wins, he would this.
2: need to win three massive events in like an eight week stretch for, for that to come to fruition. But he's the same price this week as he was at the US Open. He was like 55 to 60 that week, and he just won the US Open. And now this field is not as good as that one. And you got a T16 a t- here. Before he turned around all his iron stuff, so I just think it's a good number, and I, I'm not alone on that. I've seen a couple other people jump on Wyndham too. I'm seeing 35 on DraftKings, so I have to shop around, huh? Yeah, 35. I 35 is asking a lot, but I think you can still get like a 45 on Wyndham. Best I can see is a 45 on Fandle.
1: Okay, I'm because I have some room too. I bet the two guys that. Twenty-four, and then I'm going to give you a guy that I think might win this week that I'm never on in this range. I mean, I never bet this guy, and then I probably have room for one more Wyndham if he's at if he is at at fifty. But um, I think I really like Sam Burns this week. I, I knew you were going to say Sam Burns. You did. I'm not, I'm not a Sam Burns guy at all. Is he popular? Are people digging Sam Burns this week?
3: It's no, I was good, just kind of looking number. through Yeah, the, it's, it's the a good range.
1: Number. Yeah, it's a good number I think uh,
2: based
3: Sam on Burns. the other
1: numbers.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's 55. Sam Burns was my spotlight at the Open last year. Ooh. And Sam Burns is getting like run over in the Ryder Cup like conversation. Like he's a yeah. lock on my team right now and everybody's casting him away for Keegan. I would wholeheartedly agree. If so I'm, he needs a big outing. If I'm the European team, I'm
1: hoping that they are taking Keegan over Sam Birds. Now, you know, I need to dive more into the the course fit stuff with Marco Simone, so maybe there's an argument for Keegan based on course fit, but Burds is way better Birds is still a way better player than Keegan, in my opinion, personally. Um and I think for this particular golf course, um you know, he has an eighteenth and a sixty sixth year. Wrong side of the draw. With the 66, and even if he was on the right side of the draw, we take the Kirschner rule of that's we right. can just say <laughs> anybody that you want is on the rock side of the draw. <laughs> if they don't, if the dubbers don't look as good to justify your argument, hit the ball well in both appearances. Just like very quiet, a, a, a string of very quiet finishes where he's still hitting the ball well. He's gained over 1.5 on approach in three straight starts. And we talked about the putting. I mean, he's one of the best putters in this field. He's the number one guy over a large sample size inside five feet. Now I would only look at putting inside five feet over a large sample size, but like if you're thinking about a niche stat of somebody that's going to have a lot of five footers in the wind, who is the most solid on those shorties? It's been Sam Burns and he's a really good lag putter and approach putter too. And he is actually, I struggle with windy conditions and i would say proceed with with caution when looking at wind stats but if you're able to cross-reference them with some kind of anecdotal evidence like burns plays well on the like the colonial final round do you remember that where it was where it was buzzing austin country club you get so much of like a swirling texas wind there i think you know the closest i again the closest thing, a lot of the times, to the conditions that you're going to get in Scotland is Texas golf courses, and and I just think that for a guy that wins a lot, a high win rate, fifty five to one on what I think is a really awesome course fit, it's an easy case to make. I hope I am selling some of the listeners, but I f- I feel really good on this one.
2: Yeah, he was seventh in the field and putting at St Andrews last year, mm-hmm. so he can. Put in the links. By the way, he's got
1: back-to-back seventh-place finishes at the only other Tom Doak course on the PGA Tour, Memorial Park.
2: <laughs> there you go. Case closed. There you go. Case closed. I like Burns. I really hope like, he's not having a bad season. Honestly, no, he has he's not a ton. He has like uh, seven top twenties in his last ten starts, and he's being like written off for of the Ryder Cup. I don't get it. But he could use he could use a hot finish to the season to to seal the deal for himself.
1: Anyone else you want to touch on in this range before we talk about a few bombs to close out? I will say this. I think Justin Thomas is going to play well this week. I'm not betting him. I may play him in DraftKings, depending on what the ownership is. I think, I think he's hit rock bottom. Uh, <laughs> I said that two weeks ago. But I've always liked him on Lynx golf courses. And it hasn't. He has an eighth at the Renaissance Club, and it hasn't come to fruition for him at the Open Championship the way that I thought it would. But I have a gut feeling that he's going to have a a solid mini length swing and get himself to a position where there's not outright... because he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team. I mean, whether you agree with it or not, I just I would be shocked unless he has two terrible miscuts. Here and at the Open, which I don't think are going to happen, he will be on the Ryder Cup team. Should he be on the Ryder Cup team? Different discussion. But I think he's going to have. I'm probably not going to bet him at the Open, and I'm not going to bet him this week. But I think he's going to show up.
2: Yeah, yeah. My my JT Ryder Cup take is: if I'm Zach Johnson, I just have a conversation with JT today and say, make the FedEx playoffs, find a way in the top seventy, and you're on the team. Don't, and you're not on the team.
1: That's, that's like two top
2: thirties for the rest of the way. year.
1: Yeah, it's a fair way to look
2: at it. Like I just think. don't fall off the face of the planet. Don't like like um get too tight out there where you're freaking out that you're not gonna make this team because you're a central part of this team, whatever. But you can't be completely dead going to this tournament. So just make the playoffs, you're on the team. Um for me, I'm I'll I'll be late on JT. I I just there's a lot of pieces where he was like dead last at the Rocket Mortgage and, and around the green. Like how, how, where did oh, that come from? <laughs> so odd. <laughs> like things are broken there, but he's JT. Like at any point he could just figure it out and maybe he needs to leave the country to figure it out. Um, There's definitely value on the number now. So it, it has slipped to a point where it's not a, not the longest number you've seen on him because he got to some ridiculous, like didn't he get to like 60 at the Travelers or something? But yeah, I mean, JT on Link's course makes sense to me.
1: Uh, last question, quick, just rapid fire on this one, because this is another guy that definitively is not my guy. Like, I never (laughs) bet this guy. I'm speaking of this in the context of, I think he's very intriguing in DraftKings. Did Did Homa like sneakily rate out really well for you too, or is that just me?
2: I was ready for this to be a Ludwig uh, conversation, but... Uh, we can uh, do
1: that too. I, I've i got opinions on the guy. We, we could do Ludwig too. He's a
2: polarizing uh, topic. The best um,
1: Ryder Cup player of all time and the winner of two PGA Tour events, Ludwig Aberg. I'm, I'm happy
2: to have that conversation. Yeah, it's either him or Rory at, at number one going out first on the, right. the first day. But um, Homa, I feel no ways about Homa. I think he's another guy who's for me, I think he kind of like shows the form he trends into when he gets hot and you can see, he's kind of like working through a couple things right now, with the ball striking is back. Um, I don't know. I don't think of him as a links guy. Is he? No, he, he doesn't have much. I, I mean, don't, I don't know really he, only seen him in majors and he's, we know he, what he does in majors, but
1: Right. I don't know if you totally have to be. I think if you're talking about guys for outright betting, just because there's so many good options, you want that to be part of your argument. Right. But with DFS, you can be a little bit more forgiving in terms of all of the boxes that he's checking. And I don't, I mean, I don't think that I'll say this I don't think that Licks, Links form per se. Will be as important this week as it will be next week.
2: Yeah, I I actually I do like the like the ball flight that Homa hits. I think is really good in the wind because it's just like a piercing bullet. And on like firm fairways, it's just going to land and go. So I I think his game could definitely translate well here. He's been putting really well. The ball striking seems fine, and he is due for some some better regression from where the way he's playing right now. So. He'll be he'll be a sneaky leverage play. I don't think he's super talked about right now. I would imagine. I would. I
1: would imagine. I'd hope so. Um, okay, let's open it up, guys. Sixty plus. You said you had one bomb because you're doing Minwoo, Spieth, um, and Hatton. So who's the final guy for you? And Clark. And Clark.
2: That's that, right. those are my four. So uh, that's a full exposure, and then at three hundred to one. I I had to go with with Romain Langasque, which is definitely not how that's pronounced, but it's as close as I can phonetically come to who I'm trying to talk about. Um, What I know about him is he's a bomber. He's finished uh, third here in the past, and he's coming in with like three straight top tens on the DP. So none of that equates to win equity, but he's 300 to one, and I had a full card, and I wanted one more. Bomb, and I, I just feel like there's going to be last year there were three Euro tour guys who finished top ten at this event. and I think and they were all bombs. So I think there's going to be a couple bombs that you just want to get your exposure to because there's upside here. We just don't really know which random euro guy is going to be the one who who pops for four days
1: i This is way less daring, um especially in terms of his betting number. But I really like Ryan Fox this week. Oh, yeah. As, as a Euro guy that I think is going to make some noise. And then Rasmus coming off the big maiden Himmerlin victory and also has a 10th place finish here. I think it was last year. Um has my attention as well. Actually, both Hoshgard brothers I don't hate this week as other guys that have fallen a bit out of the Ryder Cup conversation and probably need a bit. I mean, Rasmus may have played his way onto the team with winning Maiden Hemmerland with how spotty the back end is.
2: So really, like, did both the winners last week punch their ticket with Straka and, and Rasmus? I would say that not only did both the winners... But
1: did Ludwig with the top five? He might have. No, seriously. I think he did. I I think think he he did did too. So that back end of the Euro team is getting more crowded. But like if you're choosing between Rasmus and Victor Perez, he probably, Rasmus probably jumped ahead of a lot of other Euros this week, I would say.
2: Yeah. I would still take Moronk over Rasmus and
1: I'm I'm running out of
2: like math to know how many people we have left at the back of that board. I got you
1: because I've thought about this a lot. So there's like a big eight. And then I agree. I think Moronk's on. Moronk's on the ninth. Moronk is ninth. So there's 10, 11, 12 for Ludwig, Rasmus, Sepp. I mean, those would be my three, but that then the other guys battling for that are like Victor Perez, Yannick Paul, who's actually qualified right now, Sergio maybe, Patrick Harrington, people are talking about. So it's basically like if you have Moronk in, which I do, um, and I guess if you're using the qualification points, Yannick Paul is in. So it's either two or three spots for the – I think Sepp's on too at this point, right? Probably.
2: Yeah. He was pretty close before he won, and now he won. So I, I would I think have put he, him on before the win. Yeah, I, I actually I don't think Seamus Power's dead yet either because he looked good last week, but he needs he's got work to do.
1: Alex Noren, who I like as a long shot this week, is on life support. <laughs> yeah, but, I would say so. <laughs> he's on life support, but if Noren top fives, and I'll say we'll do this, we'll make this the Euro life support category. Um Nikolai Hoshgard, Norin, and Dietrich. And I I like all three of those guys to play well this week. If one of them top fives, um, they may transition from life support to still grim, but on the periphery.
2: Yeah. The open is gonna be a massive opportunity for a lot of fringe guys because Wyndham Clark used the U S open to solidify himself on the team. And there's a lot of guys who not even with a win, but like a top five in the European major at the open would turn a lot of heads and and gain a lot of momentum.
1: Uh, speaking of which final question, I'm good on jet on Genesis. Do you have anyone else you want to talk about?
2: Honestly? No. Okay. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's like I, a throwing a dartboard at, at these European guys in the six case. I'm gonna expose myself to a lot of guys I've never heard of before, but
1: right. I gave I'm on Hatton and Fleetwood at the top. I really like wyndham and I love Burns. Uh and I like farther down, I gave my long shots. Norin, Dietrich, I like Camp Davis too. Um and both host guards I'm intrigued by. So the open um, let's do five minutes, five to 10 minutes on this at the end. Um, Have you started your, your research on this at all? I mean, it's, we talked about this right before we went hot. It's like what everyone kind of thought was going to happen with the split between live and PGA tour kind of started to happen. I mean, I haven't felt, have you felt in a golf season? more so the stark contrast between the majors and everything else.
2: Uh, I mean, you're supposed to feel that way. And the casual fan definitely feels that way. I've probably watched too much of the regular PGA tour stuff. Well, I think
1: it's, it's depressing for guys like me and you that, I mean, would you, me more so than you, because you, you have a real job too, but it's honestly depressing for guys like me and you to be forced to admit that only I reject the idea of having to come to the conclusion that only four weeks out of the year matter. I really hope that's not the case. It feels like the case. I'm kind of out of a job if that's the case. Um, (laughs) But I'll say it, this. It feels like that way a lot of the time cuz I mean, I spend a painstaking amount of time on the other 32 weeks too. Um and you know, by by my numbers it seems like some people still care, but just in terms of like the anecdotal evidence of what is catching steam in the larger ecosystem, it feels like there's a starker contrast this year between the majors and everything else, even the elevated events. By the end of the elevated events, I feel like everyone was like, I'm kind of over this.
2: Yeah, I would say atmosphere going into the events dramatically shifted. It feels less significant. It feels like a lot of guys don't have to care. Um, But they have struck gold with the finishes at a lot of these events. Ricky Fowler, in the way that he won the Rocket Mortgage, like nobody should care about the Rocket Mortgage. And it was, was like front Front page ESPN, Fowler completes comeback wins in an epic birdie-birdie 18th comeback finish, and everybody goes crazy, and everybody in the the crowd is rooting him on. That was awesome. Nick Taylor at the Canadian Open. Slam
1: dunk. Best possible outcome. The most
2: absurd walk-off in front of the home crowd, the first Canadian in like 50 years to win it. That was something that every casual fan was talking about. And then Keegan, in a more specific route, but Keegan winning in front of the New England cl- crowd at the travelers and him going on and saying like outside of the majors, this is the tournament I've always wanted to win. That was a pretty cool fan environment too. Right. So Cause they've got lucky with the New results England of the event.
1: New England can claim for <laughs> Vermont now
2: too. Uh,
1: we just, yes. just getting 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 real. It like gets a whole different thing with the Keegan stuff, but anyway,
2: continue. Yeah. So Keegan went to St. John, So if he ever plays in like New York, New Jersey, they get, it's they get home, Keegan too. home game too. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. why he's so popular. He gets it right. everywhere.
1: Right. But I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that some of these i love I, I even enjoyed watching the John Deere. And I don't like that golf course. And I mean, I was watching it because I had a lot of guys in the mix. Um, but I still flex. think that the <laughs> flex, uh, none of them won. <laughs> Um, I made I made zero money on my outright bets that week. But uh yeah, I mean, I think that. A lot of these events on the PGA tour have been best possible outcome and there's still been a ton of fatigue with them Uh, which again, leads us into what that, what NUCO working title could, (laughs) could draw from that in their potential schedule going forward. But yeah, I wanted to do a, a touch on the open just because I feel like basically during major season, as soon as the, as soon as the, previous major ends, people want to start talking about the next one. So have you do- dove into Hoy Lake whatsoever yet?
2: I wouldn't say dove. I've dipped my toe though. Right. Um <laughs> <laughs> we're testing the waters yeah. um so golf Digest just has their whole by whole video on YouTube is that um out? I hope so. I I watched it last night I don't know how okay. recently it came out Friday I don't even think has put theirs out yet but that's usually my first step love that um Still so I'm waiting on my call whole.
1: to narrate one of those things
2: I think you I think you're next on call that guy who's doing them sounds a little tired sounds like he's got a few years left before he calls it a quit so you're the incumbent <laughs> But yeah, so from what I've gathered from that, and then obviously once I've watched that, then I'm watching how Tiger won there and then how how Rory won there. It's crazy that they've only had two in the last like 50 or 60 years with the way that the Roto works. I would have thought that they had like an equitable split. So I don't remember exactly why they've had such a hiatus, um, but it definitely feels like a tournament that's going to... Offer a test off the tee. It's not St. Andrews where you just bomb it wherever you want to hit it. Um, I'm really interested to see how people treat Cam Smith. I think that's going to be the biggest storyline going into the open because he's obviously the spray it anywhere off the tee guy, which was a perfect setup at St. Andrews. This oh, is the on. opposite. Get Rory's the biggest storyline, no? Well, from a betting perspective of
1: like, Am I talking with live, live Golf Nation here or John? Because there's no okay. universe where Cam's win at Centurion is a bigger storyline than Rory returning to Hoylake after finishing top seven in like eight of his last nine majors.
2: It's, I'm talking from like the. What do we do about betting this guy?
1: Okay, because Rory's number isn't yeah, he's, really
2: drastically affected, and he's the favorite right now. And fair, you're I, to, I'm it's talking. It's really not picture, even going to be. I'm
1: talking big picture, casual fan, media storyline.
2: You're talking betting community storyline. I agree. Cam Smith's going to be yeah. very popular in our world. Be, yeah, because. Like if Rory's the odds-on favorite, nobody's going to bet Rory. Like, would you bet Rory as the favorite at this event?
1: Don't put it. Don't put it past me, John. Um, If anyone would, I haven't made that decision yet. (laughs) But I'm not going. I'm not going to rule out. I'm not going to rule out that possibility.
2: Okay. Consensus here is going. The the groupthink narrative is going to be: this is not a driver-heavy course. This is not a course that you can overwhelm it with a driver because this is going to have as links courses are intended super firm burnt out undulated fairways where if you hit a driver it could bounce in any which direction it could roll into fescue it could roll into um whatever that fun word they have for bushes is course on gorse. yes yeah. <laughs> you could be in the course that's always fun um or you could be in a pot bunker then you have to like pitch out laterally they also have these like penalty areas which are like a field with like a small fence or Mm -hmm. there's out of bounds and there's
1: out of bounds on like at least 35 percent of the holes of this golf course
2: yes this is like the real out of bounds
1: not out of bounds like three guys throughout the week are going to go out of bounds like it's real in play out of bounds that is dangerously close to some of the middle of the fairways on some of these holes
2: Yes, there are two holes where it's like a dogleg right and it's fairway. And it's like this mini little fence thing. And if you're right of the fairway, you're in the penalty area. And even if your ball is right there, it's out of bounds and you're taking a stroke. So it's like the anti-ROM at Tory situation where like if you hit it offline, you're actually getting penalized for it. If you if you would have gotten like TIO relief at a PGA event because you hit like an obstruction thing, like that's not going to happen here. So I think driving accuracy becomes extremely important. The shorter hitters are going to have an opportunity here. It's not long for the sake of being long. And then short game is all the link stuff that you you typically expect. And then it's really just going to come down to what the weather is.
1: When it was firmer in 2006, when Tiger won, he hit two iron. I think he hit driver a couple times throughout the week, but he pretty much hit two iron off of every tee. Ranked outside the top 50 in driving distance and hit 86% of his fairways. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there's, there's a roadmap there. I mean, I I think I don't have a pick yet. What's interesting. There's a, I've started looking at, I don't know how this is going to translate into who I actually pick, but it's a, it's a flat golf course. It, It doesn't have a ton of towering sand dunes. Like some other links golf courses, isn't is really not that interesting of golf course topographically. But as I said, there's tall fescue and out of bounds all over the place. It's going to make such an interesting tournament from the standpoint of how this golf course is going to penalize wayward driving, and I think that is what I'm following the most. is Is this a situation where it's going to play so firm that it it's not going to the accurate drivers are going to lose some of their advantage, right? Because it's going to play so firm that even the best drivers of the ball are going to struggle to hit both their, any of their fairways, right? Or are the fairways going to be wide enough and it's going to be soft enough that accuracy off the tee becomes a massive, massive strength. Um, And, and I think that's what I'm still debating and, and trying to navigate, uh, but I agree. I mean, the one thing that stood out to me in my initial findings of this golf course is like, man, are we going to get a total, you know, a 50% driving accuracy percentage this week from the field? Because it's really narrow and big misses are penalized in a big, big way.
2: Yeah. My first, first two impressions were really sucks that Tiger can't play this because this has been the best setup for obviously one here, but this has been the best setup for Tiger of any of the majors we've seen in the last two years mm-hmm. um or or more since he's gotten in, in that accident. So um this is a, a very walkable course. It's extremely flat and you can you don't need to hit a lot of drivers. Like he can hang with 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 anybody and just be a short game contest. So it sucks that he's not here. My second impression was this is the perfect quintessential Sahit the course. Unfortunately he's completely fallen out of form. I would love yeah. to bet him and I might be betting like a 200 to one hit, but this is, this is what he needs a little driving iron off the tee on every hole and then get creative around the greens. Uh,
1: how did Henrik Stenson look at Liv Centurion? I'm just, no, seriously. <laughs> I, I just, as a, I don't even know if he's in the field, but I mean, that's how he won at Troon too, in pretty firm conditions. Is so I I don't I don't even
2: know how to find a live leaderboard so maybe we'll end on that but um. <laughs> I, I did not realize there was a tournament last week until um and until I saw tweets about Cam Smith winning
1: right right who again like Cam Smith is this type of guy where if Cam Smith has a good driving week and he doesn't isn't all over the planet he could probably win and you know the reverse could happen for him as well. I think it comes down to discipline, right? Like, you know, you're going to have to pause when looking at driving accuracy stats when you make models this week and consider the fact that a lot of those driving accuracy stats are measuring how accurate a player is with their driver. And that doesn't really matter if, like, for example, Rory sprays his driver a ton. But I don't know if we're there yet, totally with data on on specific driving accuracy uh, statistics based on club choice. I'm going to talk to Rick about that because I think that would be really useful this week. Because why do you care if Rory sprays the ball with his driver if he doesn't hit it on this golf course and has his two iron on a string? Um, yeah, I, I'm just <laughs> warning the model makers out there. Like a lot of your stuff might. You might be barking up the wrong tree with some of this stuff. It's get, it's a really hard course to model out.
2: You know, it's funny. Rick tweeted probably a week or so ago, if you could create a strokes gain category that doesn't exist, what would it, what would it be? And I replied to him with almost exactly what he just said. <laughs> like yeah. uh driver usage rate, uh, how often does this guy lay up on a, a course that's short or per course, who is hitting driver the most? And Guys who aren't hitting a lot of drivers, where are they finding success? Because I think Cam Davis is like the best extreme example of that. Where if you put him on a driver heavy course, he sucks, even though he hits it a mile. But if you put him on a like a harbor town, he's elite because he doesn't hit the driver anymore, and then it's like a disciplined stat.
1: Yeah, this could be the best thing that ever happened to Rory if he is disciplined. I, seriously, it could be. <laughs> um,
2: but, and there's uh, drivable greens there too, so that he can definitely, if you're if you're long you can definitely take advantage of it too on the right holes
1: Um all right John, uh I'm going to get out of here and and enjoy this beautiful weather in in Lake Placid. As you know, play play, play, a, little, play a little mountain course in the morning and maybe a little <laughs> links in the afternoon.
2: Method. Yeah,
1: sandwich at the sandwich at the the uh creperie in between. So uh yeah, it's it, it's You're it's, living it's, I, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful up here. So let people know what you got going on, uh, this week before we get out of here.
2: Yeah. We, um, there's actually been some design updates to the lines.com. So I wasn't sure if I was going to have my usual content week, but it is back up and running and looks a little more crisp, I think. So you can always find my work on the lines.com, find me on Twitter at PJ Tout. Yeah, that's really, that's about it. Hopefully, hopefully we had a winner this week. I think we have a, a little overlap. We're rooting for Tyrell. If you, if you need any bets, if you need access to anything in the great state of New Jersey, you let me know. Sounds but good. Otherwise, buddy. it's been real. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, buddy. Talk soon, my friend.
1: All right. That is it for the podcast. Special thanks to com. Special thanks to John. And we'll be back later this week. Me and Steve Bamford giving an early look at Royal Liverpool and our selections for the Open Championship. Until then, best of luck with your bats this week, and we will see you next time. Cheers.
3: If I ventured in the slipstream Between the
1: viaducts of your dream Where
3: mobile steel rims crack And a dead center back road stop